3: Born to Love. <laughs> hey, Scott. Hey, Ellie. I'm Ellie Kemper, as was implied by the hi, Ellie. And this is Scott Eckert.
4: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Born to Love, this is our podcast where we talk to people about the things that they love. Today we have Nikki Glazer, Ellie. I'm excited about that.
3: The great Nikki Glazer, the hilarious Nikki Glazer, is on to talk about her love, controversial love. Just kidding. It's not that controversial at all. She loves Dame Taylor Swift.
4: Such a niche obsession she's got. She
3: is going after this artsy, folksy... Uh,
4: offbeat recording artist, Taylor offbeat Swift. Offbeat recording
3: artist, yep. <laughs> we can't wait to talk to her about it.
4: Ellie, was there something from this week that you loved?
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, I'm not I'm not giddy about it. I, I've been giddy about several of my loves, but this, I'm not giddy. It was just something that reminded me how much I love it. And that thing was... A road trip, Scott.
4: Road trips?
3: Oh yeah.
4: <laughs> oh my God. Snacks in the car, audiobooks blasting on the on the speakers, kids screaming in the back. No, Love a good road trip.
3: That's where you're wrong. Let me explain to you how this road trip came about. Okay. It was unplanned. That's the other thing. I mean, how often do you have an unplanned road trip?
4: That's the only, only when you're fleeing the law. That's the only yeah, time I that's, can imagine. That's
3: exactly right. That's exactly right. But this wasn't fleeing the law. This was fleeing a wedding. And so what happened is <laughs> um, I my my dear cousin got married in the great city of Kansas City, Wonderful, wonderful wedding. Beautiful event. My husband, Michael, and I went to the wedding. We left our kids at home mm. with our babysitter. And so we went to this wedding by ourselves. Now, on Sunday, unfortunately, our flight back to New York City was canceled.
4: Oh, and no. It's,
3: it's a tale people know all too well these days with air travel, you know, it's, I'm not going to get into it. We have our other, you know, FDA, is that, what's the FAA? Wait, FAA.
4: Yeah. You mean that's the the flight administration administration, right?
3: Yeah. The flight administration administration. <laughs> that's our other podcast that comes out on Fridays. But, uh, so we'll get into it on that. But anyway, our flight back was canceled. So I had a very long phone call with the airline which I won't name but to work something out and what worked out was this we were going to take a flight from St. Louis the next morning. Here's the thing though.
4: No flight from Kansas City to St. Louis that night.
3: Oh!
4: That's exactly right. That's Fonda exactly ride. right. <laughs> <laughs> that, while you are on the phone, was Michael in the car like revving the engine? <laughs> <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> and it's got it's like an engine sticking out of the hood of the car that he rented. <laughs> Your
3: description is nearly accurate, completely accurate, except for it was my parents in the front seat. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Wait a minute. So it was a family road trip. It just was with your parents instead of your children.
3: That's exactly right. My four-year-old and my seven-year-old were replaced by my, won't say their ages, <laughs> mom and dad. <laughs> my dad was at the wheel. My mom was navigating. There isn't much of a navigation. It's just you take one road across Missouri. But uh, she was navigating. And Michael, my husband, and I were just in the back seat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like children.
4: Was there a moment between Michael and your dad about who was going to drive, or was it just <sighs> understood, <laughs> oh. no, no doubt about it, your dad? Like, it, like, the, like, the idea, the glimmer of an idea that Michael would drive never once occurred to anyone or did Scott, they talk about it?
3: <laughs> what do you, Scott, you've met my dad and you've met Michael. What do you think? Well, they're both reasonable
4: people. I think they're oh, both great. I have tremendous oh, respect for them.
2: Oh, very sweet
3: <laughs> answer. Yes, I'll answer what you can't. My dad drove.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: my dad drove. There was no question who would drive.
4: <laughs> now I need to know what kind of car it was.
3: Well, it's a very practical car. It's my mom's car. It was a Toyota Camry. Oh, Oh, because my parents drove, they live in St. Louis. So they drove from St. Louis to Kansas City. So they had a car. Oh, so you hitched a ride. I'm sorry. We hitched a ride. There was no rental involved, unfortunately. It was a tried and true, you know, owned by my mom, Toyota Camry. And we, Michael and I were in the back seat. I mean, I took my shoes off. Oh. I had my shoes off.
4: Put a, put, did you put your feet up and your mom was like slapping your feet down? That's it's like, exactly no, Ellie,
3: Ellie, put, put them down. I wouldn't put him down. I do have to say, we made very good time on the trip from Kansas City to St. Louis. We got there quickly. We made only one stop, actually. And um, on the radio, we were listening to Maggie Haberman's, you know, biography of Donald Trump.
4: She was on the radio?
3: No, 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 no. I'm sorry. On the, on the, what do you call it? <laughs> it's like an unusual CD? AM
4: radio station that's just <laughs> broadcasting Maggie Haberman's audio book.
3: It's. It wasn't AM. It was FM. <laughs> it, was the, yeah,
4: it was the Hot Hits ninety one. Hot oh, Hits ninety one. Yeah. We're in chapter twenty seven of Maggie Haberman's Trump biography. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought that radio <laughs>
3: was going to be a good segue to our um, to our guest because she's going to talk about something who sings on the radio. Um,
4: <laughs> the two queens of radio, Maggie Haberman. And Taylor Swift.
3: Taylor Swift, who is beloved by our fabulous guest today, Nikki Glaser. Nikki Glaser is a stand-up comedian, an actress, and the host of reality TV sensation F-Boy Island. She's currently traveling for her comedy tour, Nikki Glaser, The Good Girl Tour, with stops all across the country. So check it out to see if you're near that stop. And also, she's traveling around the world. It's an international
4: comedy tour.
3: International. So that's a big deal. Nikki has had comedy specials on two very prominent streaming platforms, which shall remain nameless during the actors and writers' strike. Not going to say which platforms they're on. But um, one of those specials was Good Clean Filth, which received a 2022 Critics' Choice Award nomination for Best Comedy Special. She also hosts the Nikki Glazer podcast on the Big Money Players Network. So we're both from St. Louis. I know Nikki. She is a hilarious, lovely human being. She's going to talk about her love of Taylor Swift. She's a bona fide Swifty, in other words.
4: I couldn't be more excited. Stick around and listen to our interview with Nikki Glazer.
3: We are back with Nikki Glazer. Hi, Nikki. Hi. Thank you so much for being on our show. We are huge fans of yours. We are very excited to talk to you. So thank you very much for being here. That's so nice. I'm
5: happy to be here. I'm excited to talk to you guys about what I love.
3: I, listen, we've done this show before. We've talked about, you know, things that people love and it's great. I have to say that I'm particularly excited to talk about your love because I want to hear everything you have to say about her. Your love, <laughs> it's been disclosed. We, we said this in the, our introduction. Your love is Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell us everything.
5: First of all, let me just say that people who identify as Swifties, it's because we don't really have much else to identify as. We're white. We're boring. We don't have much culture. There's not, like, a lot of history to, like, attach ourselves to. That's why white girls get tattoos, and they, like, take up, you know, Pilates. Like, they wear shirts with, like, I'm CrossFit. I'm Peloton. Like, I just am searching for something that is, like, makes me feel like I'm a thing. I'm not just boring and, um, you know, ordinary. And so... I identify as a Swifty and I think I first became a Swifty with the album nineteen eighty nine. It was the song Blank Space and I just remember where I was. I was like in my bed listening and it just like dropped that night and I was like, this just is my thing. Like, I've had a couple moments like this in my life with Dave Matthews Band in yes! high school and then Wilco in college where I'm like, this is my new thing. I'm going to be the Dave Matthews Band girl. I'm going to be the Wilco girl. And I think I'm sticking with this one. I mean, this one has lasted since the 1989 album. So it's like 2014, I think. And, um, you know, I'm not alone here, right? Like, no, no, no. You're
3: not the only one who loves Taylor Swifts, Not
5: by not by any stretch. And it's gotten so much crazier since the pandemic and since the release of the albums Folklore and Evermore, which just solidified her place as like an indie artist. She worked with the guy from The National, which like made guys that were probably like, well, oh, Taylor Swift. They like had to accept her and like acknowledge that she is, I think, the greatest artist to ever live up there with Paul McCartney. And I fight my dad on this all the time because his Taylor Swift is the Beatles. And so we go head to head about oh, it a Oh, I
3: see. That is what I want to get into because I don't understand enough about the artistry of what she does, which we'll talk about. To appreciate her as one, I I gotta be careful here. I don't need the Swift. What is the gang of Swifties called? The Swiftie Army? No, just their Swifties, yeah. The Swifties. You don't need them coming at you.
4: Is there like a a, a fanatic sect of Swifties that will come after Ellie if if she's too disrespectful? No, it's
5: just the Swifties. And I've had them after me as well. (gasps) I have not been protected from my own kind because (laughs) I mean, if we wanna just get into it. I do. During the 1989, when Taylor was doing that, she later came out in her documentary, Miss Americana, that she was struggling with an eating disorder and just feeling like not enough. Also, she's someone who's described herself in the song, You're Losing Me. She describes herself as a pathological people pleaser, (gasps) which I love and relate to so much. But she really struggles with those things. And in the documentary, Miss Americana, she really came forth about what she was struggling with during the 1989 period. So during 1989, she was... Very thin, and she was hanging out with all these models, and that was like her group of friends. It was like a bunch of supermodels. And I felt, at the time, I liked her so much, and I was like, I don't think she has room for me in her group of friends. I'm not a statuesque (laughs) Victoria's Secret angel. (laughs) And I also was kind of at a point in my my journey with my eating disorder. And I think I was going through something at the time and and really struggling with being uncomfortable in my body. So anyway, I did a commercial for Orbitz Gum and Mm -hmm. they made me like go on a press tour about Orbitz Gum. I'm sure you've done something (laughs) like just as ridiculous in your life where you're like, what am I, I'm promoting a commercial I did?
3: What's going on?
5: So... I went to, like, BuzzFeed and did an interview, and they were like, we hear you're a Swifty. You want to talk about her? And I was just having a bad day, and I mouthed off, and I said, you know, she's too skinny. She's got all these model friends. Nikki. You know, I was just having a bad day, and I was projecting. It was me feeling insecure, me feeling jealous that I didn't have control of my body in the way I wanted to because I was struggling with stuff at the same time. So I didn't even think about that interview, like, for years and years. It was a blip. During the interview, in fact, I had really bad pit stains, and I had called it out prior to this taylor swift part of this interview and i was like i need to sit like hunched over because my pit stains are so bad so during the interview i'm like all of her model friends she's too skinny and i'm like going like this during, so i look insane and <laughs> they clipped
3: it for no, the documentary no. miss americana Wait, that came what? out in 2020 nikki I have, it. See, I have seen that, I it. that documentary and i got up to go to the bathroom and I'm wondering if that's when you could be, that I need to it go back to rewind. It must have been I to, because I am lumped in with all these
5: like Fox News people mouthing off about her. Like, Nikki,
3: that is not fair. It was crazy.
5: It was part of a montage that was like building up why she went away for a year. Like she was no. overexposed. People had too many comments on who she was and, and what she should look like and her body and I was part of that cacophony you, oh of morons mouthing off about this person I don't know so about. That is so
3: unfair and I'm sorry oh my God, you were caught Ellie, up in it. Could you oh have my God. sued them? I don't want to go there, but could you have? No, I felt
5: accountable. I felt like I deserved it because it was a wake up call of like, you can't talk about celebrities thinking they're never going to see it. And like, if I heard someone talking about me like that, it would hurt my feelings to have them judgmentally being like, all of our friends are models and she's too skinny. Like, shut up. Yeah. But when I first found out about it in January of 2020, a week before it came out, They dropped the trailer, and I was like so excited because I'm like, I can't believe they're doing a documentary about Taylor Swift, my favorite person. So I watch it probably within the first 1,000 people watching it. As soon as the clock struck 12 and it was dropped, I was watching it. And then I heard my own voice say she's too skinny, all of her model friends. And it was just my voice, and I was like – I dropped my phone. Literally one of those moments where you're like, oh, like you get some bad news and you drop your phone. Wait, that's surreal. And it was late at night. So I texted my friends and I was like, D- "This, I'm in this documentary. I don't know what I said. And they're like, that's not you. And I go, yes, it is. And they said, but you would never say this about Taylor Swift. And I was like, yeah I would and they're like but you love her and I go I'd say it about you if you got too skinny and you had all model friends (laughs) I'm constantly asked about her in interviews so I'm sure I mouthed off but then the documentary came out a week later and then I saw the video of it and then I issued an apology to her I just wanted her to know that I felt bad because I couldn't even listen to her music after it aired I was so depressed and I was like because I hurt someone I love it wasn't about like people are mad at me it was like she saw that for sure And that had to have felt kind of bad. It couldn't feel good. And I was depressed for a few days. And I tried to go through my agents to send her a letter. And they were like, yeah, we'll get it to her. And I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) You're not going to get – no. So I just decided to put on my Instagram, like, uh, just a caption being like, hey, this is what it was. And I'm really ashamed. But then as soon as I sent it, I, like, felt so much better. It kind of showed me – taught me the power of apologizing. Oh, it's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And she – commented on my post and forgave me. (laughs) She like never writes on people's posts except like one or two words. And she wrote a whole sentence or two. I only read it once because I was like, it's too much. I can't take it. Oh, you were overwhelmed. Oh, do you remember what she said? It was something like, oh my God, exclamation point, like tons of exclamation points being like, thank you so much for this. I'm so sorry you struggled with an eating disorder too. It was like, this is such an example of like how we can make mistakes and be, it was, she just forgave me and was so encouraging and so sweet and lots of like emojis and stuff. And it, it made me feel so
3: great. I didn't need that though. You know, like. No, you just wanted to, you wanted to do the right thing.
5: Yeah, it but it meant the world to me obviously that she acknowledged my existence, but I I was just <laughs> glad that she had seen it. Like that yeah. that that she knew that I had felt bad about it. But yeah, that's how I feel about her. I really feel like she's like a, a best friend as cra and I know that a lot of people have talked about this with the whole parasocial relationships and how, you know, you don't know her and I'm ve- very well aware of that, but I you know, she was at the VMAs the other night and I was watching with my boyfriend and she like won an award, and it's just a VMA. I mean, like VMA awards, they're just like made up. You know, like it's like best kiss on a R and R- b <laughs> album or whatever. You know, like th- these are the categories. It's like, does it mean anything? They're probably bought by, you know, people. But she won. And I started crying and I never, I don't, I'm not a crier. like. But I cry when my friends win things. And that just proved to me like, I do feel like I, I know her as
3: crazy as that sounds because I feel like I do. It doesn't sound crazy. And I've had that same experience when you're talking about someone winning something. Where it's not so much as, I mean, you, in your case, it was like, oh, I feel like my friend is winning, but also the art that they've produced has touched you in such a way. Like, that's when yeah. I've cried. When oh my yeah. God. Like, when Julia Louis Dreyfus won for Veep, I was like, oh, <gasps> well, I mean, I like idolized her, but it was just like tears. Oh my God. I have watched that acceptance so many uh, times where Gary comes up and holds her purse oh, for her during it. Oh, it's just fantastic. It's one of the greatest moments at an award show ever. Well, she's just so, a genius. Ugh. And it's so, And but that kind of thing where it resonates with you in such a way. And that that's what I wanted to know. So do you, like, are you in touch with no. her? Okay, so it is no, a love. she is not. Yeah. No.
5: Okay. She's, she's got to be aware of me because I I'm so. very loud. And like, I... I was in the New York Times piece about her. I know you were. I read that. I, you know, I was front row at like I think five of her Eras tours. I've been to nine of them, but I've been like front row for five of them. I know she's aware of me, but she doesn't need to acknowledge me. No, I get it. There's I been get like it. chances maybe where it's like you could maybe meet her, and I've said no. Oh uh, yeah. Because she'll have to like calm me down, and I'll start crying and shaking, and she'll have to like <laughs> comfort me, and I'm like. I just don't want to bother her with that. I understand. Stuff. Like she's got enough to worry about. Right. That I don't need her being like it's okay and like holding my shoulders as I'm like, uh, 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 you know, yep, like yep, just yep. no. She doesn't need that in her life.
4: Nikki, we've had a bunch of people come on and talk about what they love, and their loves are always like, "I love pizza," or "You don't understand, <laughs> I'm, I'm super, I'm super into this hobby of mine." Your love for Taylor Swift is like a marriage. It's like a roller coaster that I, <laughs> I was not expecting this. <laughs>
3: The thing is, this Eras tour, which I didn't attend any of them. Scott also didn't. Not out of protest, by any means. We just didn't go. But it- that would be hilarious. Flooded. What if we did? We were, like, staunch anti-Taylor. <laughs> we, but it flooded all of our feeds. It was, to me, yeah. the images, the words, the videos that came out of that place were so joyful. I was like, yeah. how- I had two questions. One was- How has she been able to make every, there was nothing rescheduled, right? She made every single concert. Every single show.
5: Every single show. Every single show. And she, I think there's only been one show in her whole life that she had to cancel because of something that, ha- like, uh, getting sick or something. Yeah. She's just, she's superhuman. She's super dedicated. She follows through. She's someone that, like, my niece, Poppy, who's four, like, she's already a Swifty, but I think she's just a good example for young girls, and that's what I was always craving as, I think, a high school student, where I felt like I didn't know myself. I didn't have an identity. I really kind of ha- had a lot of shame about who I was and the things I thought and and what I looked like and what I didn't look like, and I think Taylor Swift, I really wish she would have been around for me in high school. I feel like she just offered an emotional depth and authenticity that I've been looking for my whole life. And when I found it at the age of like 33 or whatever it was, it came a little too late for me. But it still like repaired some damage that I had done to myself. She just has taught me to feel. I think I grew up in a household, even though I have great parents, that just didn't let me be emotional. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They weren't comfortable with my feelings because they just wanted me to be happy all the time and so right. I wasn't really allowed to be sad or pity myself or like have longing for this boy who didn't like me right. but Taylor Swift like gives me permission to yep. grieve a guy who's a piece of sh- Who cares? Like, get over him. He sucks. Like, not just have that opinion about it. Like, no, you can be really sad uh, for this fantasy you had of something that never happened, and that's okay. And I think that's why she resonates so much with me is that there's an authenticity that I try to bring to my stand-up that I feel like she brings to her songs. I recently read this Sinead O'Connor book after her passing. I read her autobiography, and she goes, you know, you're probably reading this to learn about me. But she said, anything you want to know about me, it's in the songs. Everything is there. And I was like, that's what Taylor does. Like, Taylor doesn't have to talk to us. Taylor doesn't have to put out a book. Taylor doesn't have to go on podcasts or Jimmy Fallon. Everything we can know about her is in her songs. And she is they're like diary entries, man. Like they're really they're it's it's
3: all there. Well Nikki I have to ask you a question that's been burning in my soul for, like, all summer, actually. (laughs) Because I think part of her huge likability is because she is so relatable. Like she—like you say, Mm -hmm. she talks about these things in her songs— That's her whole thing. I said to Scott once, (laughs) I said, she's not cool. I didn't mean she wasn't cool. She's like the coolest person on the planet. But her persona is that she's not cool. Like I'm saying- She's not cool. Right. She sings about it. She's talked about it. She was not cool in high school. Did she go to
5: high school? She went to high school and she started writing songs when she was 13, but she started making a name for herself, I think around 15, 16. So she has written many songs about feeling like she wasn't enough in school and having the cool girls ostracize her. And she told this one story about like where she asked all of her friends to go to the mall one day and she called each of them. They all said they were busy. And then her mom was like, you know what? I'll go to the mall with you. And they went to the mall and then all of her friends were at the mall without her. That hurts. That kind of thing. Like, so she, yeah, she was an outsider and she's a little awkward. She reminds me of myself. She's worked hard. Nothing has come easy. She wasn't just like born with this innate talent. Oh, is that right? I believe that everyone that is extremely talented in that way has worked mostly for it. Right. Like I think that you you start with a little bit, but you can work hard enough to get to where people are who are just like born with it. You really can. And I think that Taylor Swift is someone who has really worked hard and worked her way to this place and has done it by being like, she seems like
3: a pretty nice person. She seems pretty nice. But my thing with Taylor Swift was I'm like, she is such a global phenomenon. How can that be authentically her? Like, you feel like Mm -hmm. you you have described as though you know her quite well. And so I have to think to myself, well, is that real? Or is a trick being played on me? It seems to be real. Well, I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, she's admitted that
5: she wants to be liked. So she's self-aware enough I like that she's starting to admit like I'm putting on a little bit of a thing a good girl image and she's had to do that to get where she is you know as we know from being in the spotlight you got to put it on a little bit you got to play a game you got to turn it up and I do think though that she is a nice person and she is a good person but I think that there is this desire to be liked and that she's struggling with that. And every album, she kind of, like, drops some of it. And this past album, she got really self-aware and talked about having depression. And the fact that Taylor Swift gets depressed makes me <gasps> feel a lot less bad about when I get depressed yeah. or, you know, that it's it's never going to maybe be enough and that maybe Taylor
3: and I are both kind of uh, grappling with that in our careers. Well, I think that is, again, you've just sort of zoomed in on what makes her so hugely, I guess, popular, is that you see yourself in her. She is the mirror ball. And so you see yourself reflected in her. And that's very, that's a very powerful, it's, I mean, the fact that you feel that way, I feel that way. But so does like your four-year-old niece, you know? So it's like the span of it is huge.
4: Yes. That four-year-old, the niece thing is what, I, I find so very impressive because yeah. especially given how adult some of these themes are, the fact that like my sister went to the Eros tour and she said that the thing that stuck with her apart from the performance and the staging and all that kind of stuff itself was that there were like some seven-year-old girls in front of her that were just like screaming when ecstasy the entire time, just like shaking. The way that you described how you would feel if you yes. met her, these young girls were were... <laughs> We're feeling during the tour. And it's like, wow. So she's connecting with Nikki Glaser and with Ellie Kemper and with, you know, hundreds of millions of people around the world, including these young girls. Why do you think it is that, that, that she appeals to these girls?
5: I think that's the musicianship. I think that's, that's her songwriting ability. Like, you can't deny that these are bops that these are catchy, that she is a great songwriter. And, and now it's just, it's pretty solidified that she's one of the best songwriters of all time. I would argue the best and most prolific because she has like, thousands of songs at this point. She can't stop putting out
3: albums. Yeah, that's it's, crazy. She's that's on her crazy 11th
5: me. album coming up, and that's not even to include the re-releases, which have included, you know, seven more tracks per each re-release. So I just know that I love her music, but I've always felt like, oh, maybe I don't have that good of taste because people have made fun of me for liking Dave Matthews Band or liking Matchbox 20 or Counting Crows. <laughs> I am
3: with you, Nikki. That's my heart And it's like,
5: maybe I am suck at music. <laughs> but I'm good. I know what I'm talking about. She's f***ing great. And do you know, it felt so good when I have been a Swifty for years and years, and for a much a shorter time than most people who have been Swifties. But now there are people that have just jumped in this year. But it's so nice to have been kind of made fun of a little bit, especially by my friends and family for how obsessed I've been with her for so long as a woman in my late 30s. And then to see the global phenomenon she's become recently, I'm kind of like, Oh, was I... Was I right? Was I onto something? It looks like I was right because she's the (laughs) greatest selling artist uh, of all time and she is the most listened to artist on Spotify aside from uh, Drake, I think. I think there was this whole backlash at first because this was talked about a couple years ago so this isn't my own original thought but I think that people dismiss anything that young girls like as inherently stupid, vapid, Uh. and like they're just hormonal and they're shrieking Beatlemania. They don't really have taste. They just like it because it's shiny and cool and hip. And that's kind of what she was dismissed as, as just like this like kind of teeny bop icon that is a flash in the pan. And now she's respected in indie circles, rock. Like, this isn't just me being sycophantic because I'm a little hormonal teen. No. Like, I think that's what they still associate it as. Because I do have her posters up and I have all her t shirts and the merch and, you know, the friendship bracelets. It just seems like. But that's stupid because that, it's girly. No, but, but that's part
3: of the culture of following. Right? Exactly. It is fun. It's so fun. Oh, I, I get it. I mean, I really enjoy being this
5: crazy. Well, I, that's I really, another thing. It's I like, love why it. Not? It feels good to like something so much. Like I've never cared yeah, about love sports in the way that I see my friends care about sports. I like getting obsessed about things, and like I am so grateful I'm a Swifty because if you like other music, like. People are putting out albums at the rate that she's putting them out. And I get to be a part of a community of people who just... I don't know. It's like a, a shorthand we have with each other. I just yeah. It gives me identity. And I've always been looking for that. I found it as a comedian for many years of my life that was like, oh, great. I finally found my passion and my people. And I think in my 30s, I started feeling like the energy surge I used to get from performing and going on stage has kind of dissipated. Like, what else can I sink my obsession into? And, and then Taylor Swift came along and I was like, oh, that's my thing. And then I started playing guitar and singing like during COVID because I was like, I got nothing to do. So, now that's like my new pursuit because I think I always really wanted to be a singer-songwriter. In fact, I know I did because that's what I used to say I wanted to be when I was little. And I just like I got some bad feedback in high school about like this isn't your thing. You're not going to make it. You, what? you don't have the talent. Yeah, it sucked.
3: Taylor Swift is kind of what I always wanted to be, and right. so I love her for that too. It's like, oh well, yeah. this is a new, not revelation, but adds new, you know, color to our portrait. Which is that, of course, then you're going to admire and I can I say I don't want to say idolize, idolize. Okay, oh, I'll absolutely. Say yeah, yes. My, who, my
5: boyfriend would say that. that. Well, yeah. Well, there we go.
4: <laughs> what was it like being in the front row for? Did you say five of them? <sighs> like what, yeah. Like what is that? Because it seems like I, I have I struggle to imagine that. That sensation it was
5: the best it was so awesome i spent so much money and i don't really spend a lot of money on things like i just have like a low-key life i spent so much money on these tickets you know like you've heard the rumors of like how much they are like i think i spent thirteen thousand dollars on two tickets but i was like it's <laughs> you took your mom right yeah, yeah, I took my well, mom. That's lovely. It was the greatest because she's always kind of been like, oh, Nikki and her Taylor Swift thing because I lived with my parents during COVID mm-hmm. and that's when it really grew mm-hmm. because of those release of those two albums. It just like, I was really obsessed during the time. And there was nothing else for me to focus on. Of course so I was not. very into Taylor. Yeah. And so I think they've always kind of rolled their eyes. So your mom,
3: my sense is that she understands now where you're coming from. What yeah. was her, what, 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 was what so happened? Funny. Tell me what happened.
5: She goes, oh my God, she is so cute. She goes, "Nikki, everyone in here, everyone in this stadium is in love with her." <gasps> everyone, and I get it. <gasps> and we like it finally like sunk into her like yeah. my obsession and how yeah. cute she is yeah. and how talented. I almost started getting jealous because I'm like my mom has never like, you know, <laughs> been in awe of my talent in those ways. Like my mom will never be like that was amazing. Not never. She does compliment me on like what I do, but she'll just the thing that she really loves about what I do is that they love you. People just oh, love that's you. So funny. Like she is so into she goes, "I can't believe all of the look at all these people. They love you. And she and I go, You can't believe all these people love me. And she's like, I can't believe it. It's ridiculous.
4: <laughs> Taylor Swift, I understand, but not you. Yes,
5: exactly. I was like, could I ease a down mom yeah, on Taylor's yeah. talent? Because I don't hear you hop off about my talent right. that much. It's usually just about like, I can't believe all these people love you. But she she got it.
4: <laughs> I have a question for you about your mom. Yeah. What is and maybe you don't have to pick one, but what is a favorite Taylor Swift song of yours, and what is a favorite of your mom's?
5: There's a song called The Best Day that is not usually a fan favorite, or maybe it is, I'm not really sure, but it's off of Fearless, I believe, her second album, and it's about her mom, and it's about (sighs) how her mom was always there for her during all these sad times in life and that she had the best day with her mom. Like, it's just this emotional song about loving your mom so much. Oh. And it's so cute. And she wrote it when she was like 17 oh. and it's just the fucking cutest song. And then there's a song that my mom really loved that the day we, my mom and I went to go see her in Houston, we went to the, the gravesite of a friend that I've always wanted to visit there. We're walking around this beautiful cemetery and I was like, I want to play this song for you about her, like how much she loves her mom. Because yeah. I'm like, and my mom and I don't really like share our feelings that often. But sure. I just was like, I think you'll like this song. And I played it and we were both like, <gasps> like oh my sobbing. gosh,
3: Nikki, that's and beautiful. And then we were hugging
5: each other like, I love you so much. Like in this almost like mausoleum type structure because it was raining at the time. Yeah. We were alone in the cemetery. And then I played the song Marjorie, which is about Taylor Swift's grandmother and how much she misses her grandmother and how she's still with her. And um, and then there's a part in the song where her grandmother's voice like sings because her grandmother was a singer too. And oh, then wow. we're sobbing about that because we're remembering my grandmother and and so yeah. those two songs were like really special to us. That's so sweet. I think of her, you know, her coming out on her second album and she's like, I'm going to write a song about how much I love my mommy. Like that's kind of a bold <laughs> right. move for a girl who's trying to be like cool and like in the music industry. Like she didn't give a f- She's like, I love my mom and I'm going to write a song yeah. about how much I love mama. And it was just, it's so sweet and wholesome. And and I think the, the, that's why those two stand out to me. They're just very deeply emotional.
4: That is a beautiful Shakespearean, dare I say, Swiftian moment to potentially end <laughs> this part of the interview on Ellie. I mean, what do you think?
3: I agree with you. I think what a lovely note to end the Taylor Swift love fest on. Mm-hmm. Because I've always known I like Taylor. I haven't shared the intense love that you have, but you make me want to go rewatch the document. Not for you in it, but oh,
5: you have so much to like get into. I'm excited for you. I have like, so much
3: to get into.
5: You I
4: want am. me to play a song in a, a cemetery for my mom? That's what I'm inspired yeah. to do based oh my on God. this conversation.
5: Go do it. Yeah, it it's it's was the, one of the scariest things I've ever done emotionally, but it paid off. And we will. My mom and I will never. Talk about it again, no. but we definitely sobbed and held each other in a cemetery oh, in the middle of the afternoon oh. in Houston while it was raining outside. And we're both like so embarrassed of it now, but like you know those moments that just like oh, yeah. it gets to you, and then you're like, you're like, we'll never <laughs> and calling an Uber, again. like, okay, yes. I think he's over here. We gotta walk a couple blocks, like wait, like we'll never talk about it again. No. Like, I come from like a you know, kind of Catholic. We don't talk about our feelings, family. Yeah, yeah.
3: we're all Scott's from <laughs> Minnesota, we're all Midwestern stock we here. Get we it. get it. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> that you feel a certain way but you don't necessarily talk about it totally Nikki thank you for for talking you about guys. your feelings with us and if you have time we would love if you could stick around for a game we play yes. called love it or loathe it okay we'll play that when we come back Guys, we're back. We're here with Nikki Glazer. We are going to play a little game called Love It or Loathe It. Nikki, you've listened to the show. This is a game where we are going to give you a number of items. You say whether you love that item or you loathe that item. There can be no in between, okay? You have to either love it or loathe it. Okay. 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 And Nikki, we've mentioned you. You grew up in St. Louis. You live in St. Louis. I also am from St. Louis. Love it or loathe it? Emo's Pizza. Emo. It's not. <laughs> that was Nick's. From our list. But but now that you <laughs> mention it, I'm, uh, let's just get into it. Love it or loathe it, Emo's Pizza. Well, I'm a vegan, so I
5: have to loathe uh, it, but if yeah. I wasn't, I'd love it. Yeah. Worked there in high school. Well, you worked there? Yeah, at the one in Webster. Were you a vegan then? Oh, um, no, and yeah. I ate so much, yeah. and my mom once t- asked me if I was training for football season because yeah. okay. okay. I ballooned up. <laughs> wait, wait, so Emo,
4: Emo's, is that, the, is that the pizza that's like on a cracker or something?
5: Yep. Cracker crust, the square
3: beyond compare. Yep. Yep. It's a made up cheese, right? It's like an invented yeah, cheese. Yeah, It's
5: provolone and like mozzarella combined. Provel. Provel. Yeah. It's,
3: Pro yeah. Pro okay, Provel. Um, love it or love it. Also, field hockey, Nikki. Love it. I played in high school. I wasn't good, but it was so fun. I'm with you. I miss it. I miss it. Did I, you play? I played. I wish that there were an adult league. There's no adult leagues. Or maybe maybe there are, are there?
5: There have to be, look into it. No one wants me to play, but I, man, I loved it so much just because of I just loved being on a team and wearing a cute skirt, Same. and it was so fun. But I was so not good. I yeah, I I had really bad shin splints. Oh, they called oh. me um, Grandma Jennifer because I straightened my hair like Jennifer Aniston with an iron, <laughs> a literal iron. And I also had a limp because of shin splints, so I was nicknamed Grandma Jennifer on the team. I was just happy that Jennifer was in there. Well, yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, you st- and yet you <laughs>
3: still have fond memories of the sport. That says a lot. Oh my God, yes. Okay, Scott.
4: Speaking of Taylor Swift, love it or loathe it, Nikki. <gasps> Olivia Rodrigo.
5: Love it. Love her. She's like Taylor Swift to me, like just a girl who's like finding her way and being herself and like has a powerful voice and is such a good songwriter. And I don't know what's going on between them. I think it's fine, but I don't care. Like I can still, even if there was beef between them, I can still love two people that might not get along, but I don't think anything's going on between them, but I absolutely love her. And yeah, she's someone that I could definitely swift out on. Like I'm going to go to her tour. I'm learning her songs on guitar. Like I'm I'm so, I just practiced,
3: I just went to a voice lesson where I'm learning how to sing Vampire because it's such a hard song to sing. And I, so I'm obsessed. I love her. I only recently discovered her. And it's only because, did she just release a new album? Why was I reading yes, about her? Yes. Yes. yes so, new So she's fantastic. And she's I so good. love it. And I, she's so young. She's four years old. She is so she
5: good. <laughs> right? <laughs> she I mean, is. She's, t- she's like, they're not born it's yet. It's crazy that anyone can have an opinion about a 19-year-old. Like how anyone is like, this album's not that good. It's like, she's 19. Shut the fuck up. I know. Like, let her like be. Yeah. Let her make mistakes. You know. I just hope she can not let all the criticism in that she gets, even though it's mostly everyone loves her, uh, right? But it's 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 tough yeah. to be a young little starlet. But she's
3: she's fantastic. She's fantastic. Love. I love I love her music. Like instantly, I did. Okay, we're on the same page. Okay, as a Starbucks lover, Nikki, oh, yeah. do you love or loathe the pumpkin spice latte?
5: love i mean i'm not gonna jump on the like if you like it i i don't actually like it myself i don't think i've even ever had it it just doesn't interest me but i don't mind the smell of it i don't mind the celebration of it i don't mind the basic nature of it it gets people in the season you know there's not much to be excited about anymore in (laughs) life the world's kind of ending yeah it's world war three we're on the brink of it like things aren't looking good if uh, a seasonal beverage lights you up inside so be it like Lean into it. Again, white girls need an identity. I know. And that pumpkin spice (laughs) gives us one. We don't have culture as white people. We're desperate for it. (laughs) And so I I
3: completely, that's such a great assessment because it's spot on and I'll take it too. Yeah, it's sweet. It's delicious. It's festive. We'll take it. Sure.
4: (laughs) A lot of enthusiasm behind that recommendation, Ellie. Yeah, it's festive. Moving on. Uh, Love it or loathe it. The beach
3: uh
5: loathe it because it's the sand is just oh, dirt oh. it's just hard dirt it's g- gross and it gets everywhere also currents i don't trust those i'm very scared of undertow even though i know you're supposed to swim parallel to the shore i can't trust myself to remember no. that in the moment that i'm being pulled out to sea Yep. i wouldn't mind being bitten by a shark i'm scared of being killed by a shark you would
4: not mind being bitten by a shark now, if
5: i could Because I think it'd be a cool scar to have, even if it took my whole arm, I think it would just be a cool story. I'd be sad I couldn't play guitar or something, but I'm not scared of sharks. I love them. I feel like... We should leave them alone, but the ocean is like I don't really care for it. It's too vast and scary. And when people are like, "Let's go to the beach," I'm just like, "And do what? Oh, like squint as you try to read a book that's yeah. too bright for you to read. Yeah. Or like it's too windy. You can't trust the waves are constantly. You have to move your blanket, and they're getting everything's wet, and you leave yep. and it's dirty. Loathe it. Yep. So
4: you're okay with shark bites less cool yeah. with, with just like moving your towel <laughs> yes
3: and the ocean isn't technically the beach the ocean where the shark is is not the beach so you do yeah, definitely that's true. loathe the beach yeah yeah I get it I, yeah, I've agreed with you on I think all of these I mean not that oh, it God. matters it just happens to line no up. that means something to me well thank you <laughs> okay <laughs> this is our last one Nikki love okay. it or loathe it naps love it
5: I think that's why I don't want kids <laughs> is my love of naps. Yes. And I know people are like, kids, nap, don't worry. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't know if they're going to line up with my depression naps. I just, (laughs) I really, I love napping so much. And I, the thing that gets me most depressed in life is if I see my schedule and I don't see places for naps or like adequate sleep, (laughs) I start to really panic and fall into like a, a deep funk. So I think naps are nothing to be ashamed of. Lean into them. And I know people are like, I wake up feeling groggy. It's like, then you deserved it. Then you should just keep going right, probably. Right. You're sleep deprived. I th- you know, yep. this has been said a million times, but our culture is so <gasps> oh, I know. proud of themselves for not getting sleep. Yeah. And it's crazy because it ages you. It, it's going to make you die sooner. It's bad for your cognitive. It's bad it's for everything. Everything so is bad. Oh, I get don't get those it. Naps. Get the
3: I, I. For me, it is like a 20 minute nap which yeah. is beyond restorative and I feel smarter when so I wake up. Good. Yes. Right? And I'm here to with you promote the idea of napping as a healthy lifestyle choice because yes, it's extremely so. healthy. It is. Nikki, thank you so much for chatting with us so much. It's been such a pleasure. Before we go, is there anything, any projects that you would like to mention? I'm on tour right now until the end of my life, but this tour is actually
5: (laughs) really, it's a good one. I'm just doing material that I've like, you know, it's, it's kind of like my era's tour. I'm just doing material that I just feel it encapsulates like my whole career and my whole life as a stand-up comedian. I'm saying things I never thought I'd be able to say on stage talking about things that are just so personal. And I'm Able to make them funny in a way that I never thought I could. So I'm on tour right now, and you can find out cities at nikkiglazer.com. And I'd love for people to come see me. And I do meet and greets after the show. If you go alone to my show, because I think that's so brave, and not a lot of people do it. And I think a lot of people miss out on entertainment because mm-hmm. they can't find a friend to go with them. And they just feel like I'm going to be like a loser alone. People are going to think I'm like a creep being alone. But if you go alone to my show and you go to the merch booth after the show and tell them that you went alone, I will give you a free meet and greet, which I usually I have to charge. For because it's just too much, but I'll give you a free one if you go alone because I just want to reward you for taking a chance and doing something maybe a little social anxiety inducing. That is so generous.
3: I mean, I, I that's just a sweet thought. And if you can't afford a meet and
5: greet, and you're with a person, you can just DM me. I'll give you a free one. Like it's <laughs> like it, I, I appreciate you going to the show. Like I'm not gonna like be stingy about it. It's well, that's you know.
3: uh, that's gracious because I would imagine after a show like that, you're. Pro- I'm just gonna tell everyone you're probably exhausted. So you I, are. Yeah.
5: But so it's nice, nice to meet your fans, and so I, I like making that connection, and it's genuine and it's easy. You just like get to be nice to people. Well, that's I don't true. Have to, like be funny anymore. That's it. Like right. I, I get to kind of like relax. Right. And so I enjoy meet and greets. So come see me on the road, oh. or just come to my meet and greet. Who cares? Uh,
3: <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that is all you want. Well, then you'll, now we, they, everybody knows where to go.
5: Yeah, and then F Boy Island October sixteenth on the CW. You can check that out. Make it part of your reality TV schedule. It's so funny and it's so insane. And if you don't like reality dating shows, I promise you, you'll like this one because we just make fun of it. But you'll also be able to watch it with someone who likes those shows because it also people fall in love and it's like drama and high stakes, but it's also funny too. So check that out.
3: I personally didn't realize the new season was coming out so soon. So I'm looking forward to that it's too. So soon. Yes. yes, Nikki, congratulations on everything. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. This has been a total delight. So fun. Thanks for letting me talk about my girl. Yes. <laughs>
4: Thanks for listening to Born to Love. We'll be back next week with brand new things that we love.
3: We want to hear from you. Leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and tell us what you love. We might even ask one of our guests in an upcoming Love It or Loathe It.
4: Born to Love is hosted and created by Ellie Kemper and Scott Eckert.
3: Our executive producer is Aaron Kaufman. Our producers are Sheena Ozaki and Zoe Dinkla.
4: Born to Love is part of Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network in collaboration with iHeart Podcasts. Special thanks to Hans Sani, Rachel Kaplan, and Adriana Cassiano, Michael Fales, Alex Coral, and Bahid Frazier. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated
6: card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express
0: Decisions for a list of compatible devices visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.
6: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack